morning, everyone. Let's stand together. Welcome to CFA today. We are glad that you are here. Scripture says in John chapter 7, Jesus stood and cried out, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. The Bible says this. He was speaking of the Holy Spirit. So let's just open up our lives today. If you are thirsty, come and drink. Let the Holy Spirit fill you today. Father, we come to you. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. You are good, Lord. Through every situation, through every circumstance we face, Lord, we trust in you today. We are here to declare that you are God. We're here to declare that you are mighty. We are here to pour out our love on you and receive your love poured out on us. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill every life. Meet every need, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Take the insert from your bulletin and let's sing together and worship the Lord together today.
Lord, that you came to us, became one of us, you were tempted in all areas as we are, and yet you did not sin, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you showed us how to walk with a reliance upon the Holy Spirit. You showed us how to walk filled with the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to continue to learn from you, learn from your word, learn from your spirit, learn from your ways. Father, teach us how to follow you. Teach us how to walk as you would walk today, God. Help us to be your representatives in our community, in our culture, in our, in our society, Lord. Wherever we are, wherever you take us, Lord, help us, help us to be as you would be, Lord. Father God, I lift up every need in this place today, God. You know those that need a touch from you today, a touch of healing, a touch of your peace, a touch of freedom from anxiety and stress. Lord Jesus, we just pray that you would come in every life. Fill each one, God, with that. every need, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, today we are especially mindful of our former pastor, Pastor Vine. Sister Carol has gone to be with you yesterday, Lord. We thank you for their faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for her faithfulness. We thank you for her love. We thank you, God, for her witness and for her influence lives on in the lives of so many people that mother and sister mine touched throughout their ministry. Comfort them, I pray today. Comfort their family, I pray today. Draw each one close to you, Lord. Let us be a blessing to them during this time, Lord. Be with them. Be with them, God, and let them sense your presence, Lord, in a, in a way they've never felt before. Undergird, Pastor Vine, by your strength, we pray in Jesus' name. Lord, in every aspect of our service today, we just want to be open to you. We want to be yielded to you, God, in our time together today. So have your way. Have your way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in us and in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Turn around. Shake hands. Amen. Give one another a blessing today. Kids can go to their places of ministry. Preschool and nursery immediately outside these doors and... K through six across the lot. Turn that up a little, Angie. It don't sound as loud as it was last week, so turn me up a little bit. So everybody, want everybody to hear. So we are glad that you're here, each one of you. We thank you for coming. Thank you for being with us this morning. For those who might be guests, especially local guests, we welcome you. We're glad that you are here. We're going to be introducing some other special guests in just a moment. But uh, take advantage of this handout. There's a lot in there that's especially for you. If you're a guest with us today, we wanted to introduce ourselves to you and some of our philosophy and vision and values and core purposes of our ministry there in the beginning of this handout and then there's a card in there for you to introduce yourself to us and uh, you can take it to the lobby after the service and our welcome team will have a gift for you that they'd like to give you in exchange for you introducing yourself to us through that card there's a place there for you to let let us know your prayer requests cfa family we encourage you to do that as well let us know what your prayer needs are so we can be praying for you let us know what your praise reports are and uh, we always want to say thank you to our CFA family for your faithfulness and for your generosity and giving. You're going to hear some results of your giving and your faithfulness in just a few moments. I want to just mention a couple of things. Uh, what you see in the handout, take advantage of reading it. Make sure you can read it or get somebody to read it to you. 
there's a West Tennessee Youth Gathering today, so the young people are going to be sticking around here. The guests that we're going to be introducing in a moment are going to stick around with our young people. And then our kids are going to go to, uh, we're going to take care of their lunch and everything. They'll go to the youth gathering. Pastor Chris will make sure they all get home this evening. Uh, we've got a ministry team appreciation event coming up November 5th. Yes. Yeah. Is that this Saturday or next Saturday? Saturday? That's a week from Saturday. A week from Saturday. So that's in there. Let Angie know if you're a part of that. You should have a. Uh, you should have received an invitation if you're part of that and RSV. And if you're not a part of that, you can be a part of that by coming to next Steps. And the way we're going to do next steps this fall is if you'd like to know more about what's going on here personally and what our purpose and vision and values is and how you can be a part, just call the office. We'll meet with you personally sometime before Thanksgiving, and uh, you can go through next steps and find out more about us and your place before the end of the year. One other thing that's not in your handout, we have a lady who's come and visited us once. She has a number of health problems, but in, it, in visiting us once, she already considers this church her home church. Her name is Helen. Uh, she, she's come to us from Hawaii via Phoenix, Arizona, and she has some needs. She needs a bed, uh, at least a double bed, if not a queen-size bed, and she might need some railing or ramp for her home. She's staying with her daughter and son-in-law right now, but if she can get a bed or some ramp or railing for her home, uh, that would help them a great deal. So if anybody can help with those items, call our office. Let us know if you can organize something like that. We're thrilled today to have Chi Alpha Campus Ministry from Austin P. University here with us. They've been with us here before. Jonathan is a great friend. I've gotten to know him over the past year. Sharon and I went up and spent some time on the campus there with him one day. And they're doing a great ministry there on the campus. And they've got some of the uh, leadership team and students with us here. So, Jonathan, why don't you just come introduce some of the folks here. And uh, they're going to be sharing what God is doing there and what God has done in their lives. And this is... This is part of our missions outreach. Your giving supports this ministry, a Christian ministry on the campus of Austin P. University every month. So welcome them. Give them a good welcome. It's great to be here with you guys this morning. It has been a couple years since we've come to hang out, but my name is Jonathan, and this is my lovely wife, Alejandra, and we are Chi Alpha Missionaries, and really quickly in a nutshell, that's a missionary that instead of going like to China or to Africa goes to the university with the same intentionality. And I'm convinced that the college university is the most strategic mission field in the entire world, that there is tremendous potential to impact the next generation that's going to later step into places of tremendous influence, and that if we don't reach them while they're at the university, we miss some of those critical moments when they're deciding, man, what, what do I believe about any of this stuff, and, and why does it matter? So. For the last 11 years, we've been serving at Austin P, getting things going there, and it's been a real joy. I've got with me some of my team this morning. Um, we've been doing a retreat. I don't know if you guys have been outside, but Camden is beautiful. It's beautiful. So we've been over by the lake for the, the last couple days, just relaxing as a, as a family and being together. But I've invited them to share just a minute of how the Lord has impacted their lives through Chi Alpha, so you can start to see some some flesh on the bones, some nuts and bolts of what this whole thing is actually about. So if you would, would you just share your name and um, how it's been impactful for you? So my name is Jordan, and I went to school at Austin P. and I used to be super filled with like pride and bitterness and just like a lot of anger, and just through like being loved by Chi Alpha, um, the Lord's really restored a lot of that in my life, and I would say that like I'm no longer a bitter person, and I'm just like 
learning how to trust the Lord and like love Him deeply and fix my eyes on Him instead of on myself. Uh, I'm Eric, and this is my wife Ashley, and I grew up in high school youth, you know, time churches like this, and went off to college and ran far from God, ran hard. Uh, ended up at Austin P and didn't get connected to Chi Alpha until the last semester of my senior year. Um, I was in a space of, I didn't understand really who God was and understand his love for me because of all the mess and I allowed the mess of my life be louder and that's what I chose to pay attention to. And But when I got connected, it transformed my life. Um, you know, I was like, Jesus, if you're for real, I'm gonna be for real. And uh, he's never stopped being for real. And it's impacted and restored a lot of like the anger in my heart, a lot of the lostness and uh, understanding what it means for him to be a father and how that's translated into my life as a, uh, now as a husband and as a father to two and one on the way kids. And just, uh, it's been really sweet. And, uh, and you know, if you're a prodigal and you don't understand the father's love, just know that he loves you and he's crazy about you and he's not going to stop pursuing you. Amen. I'm Ashley, um, so I support in different ways, not exactly on staff, but um, I was in Chi Alpha um, when I went to Austin P. Uh, I got connected about the same time and I used to just put God in a box, um, just how I grew up. I grew up in church, but it was like, okay, so he did these certain things, but he's not still doing these, you know, it's just very much like um, legalistic, and I didn't, um, but through Chi Alpha, just uh, and through friends that showed me like just how big their faith was, and how big God was, and what he was still doing, um, I slowly took him out of that box, and he's just um, allowed me to grow, and be more confident in who I am, and um, he's still working in me <laughs> through that, but um, it's been really impactful, and uh, the family that I've, I've like, been blessed with also just through this ministry has been amazing. Hello, my name is Neely, and they say that, and who knows what the statistics are now, but around 80% of students who love Jesus going into college will walk away. So if they've been raised in church and they've been poured into that whenever they get out on their own, that they have that opportunity, and I was that statistic. Whenever I came to school, I was really not interested in Jesus, and really I was interested in one thing, and that was connecting to some sort of fraternity or, or sorority, and that's what I came into college looking for, community, but without Jesus. And of all the connections that I made, it was to Chi Alpha. And I didn't know much as a freshman, but I did know that that was not exactly what I was looking for, but they were very kind, and I noticed within the first meeting of these people, my freshman year, first week, was that they did seem different, and they did seem very sincere, and there was something about it I wanted even if I didn't want Jesus yet, and that is exactly how discipleship through Chi Alpha works. And so they met me where I was, we'd get coffee, we would play games, we'd do all these things, and eventually, despite myself, God really did break through that exterior I had built up of wanting my own thing, and so I gave my life to Jesus uh, right away in that first semester, and then have not looked back and building disciples and leading small groups and being equipped through this ministry to do that with my life. And it has completely changed my life. And now this is year 11 of doing that and being connected. And who knows where I would be 11 years after if I had not connected to some people that just lived out the gospel. 
in our dorm rooms, in our <coughs> intramural sports, in our cafeterias, and they just looked like Jesus on the university, and it completely changed my life, and we continue to get to do that with students every single day. Hey, I'm Justin, um, and I grew up in church, like loving Jesus, Holy Spirit, all of that stuff, but growing up in church, I wasn't able to really share the things I was walking through. I'm also a pastor's kid, so you know, Pastors' kids can be messed up, for real. <laughs> but yeah, so I was walking through like so much brokenness and just hurt and bitterness in my heart. Had no idea how to let those things out. And I had, was struggling with so many things that I promised myself I will never tell anyone this. So just like walking in secrecy and came into Chi Alpha, met this group of people who crazy love Jesus. Um, and through Chi Alpha and Jonathan speaking into my life, like just began really like walking in that healing process. And now, like I can say, I'm totally set free from those things. Um, but not only is that what's cool, but what's cool is that um, Chi Alpha gave me the opportunity to begin participating in the Great Commission. And Neely was talk touching on that. So like now my life has been changed for Jesus, but now I get to walk that out and helping other people's lives be changed for Jesus on the daily, living life together, sharing like the really hard things that like I was afraid to share, now I share on stages. Um, so it's just beautiful the things that Jesus is doing. Yeah. Good morning, my name is Alejandra. Um, it was very easy to believe that the disciples and the apostles and all the people that worked for Jesus was, were just in the Bible and you couldn't really approach them. But it is incredible that through Chi Alpha, you get to see all these disciples and all these apostles that walk on campus and, and they reach students and they disciple them. And, and it is incredible to see how the, the kingdom of heaven is coming to our campus and how they are um, transformed lives and, and how they are changing, not just for them, but for their families and their generations. I appreciate the investment that Camden First Assembly has made in Chi Alpha over the years. Neely said 11 years. How many years have you been involved, Justin? Seven. Seven. Ashley and Eric, how many years? Nine. Nine-ish? Nine-ish. Give or take? Yeah. Awesome. And then 11 here. Each one of these people represents dozens of students impacted each year. Times those numbers of years. Because you give. Mm -hmm. Because you pray because you serve and because you invest and because you value generosity and sacrificial giving. So literally hundreds of thousands of students have been impacted over the last 11 years because you've been going with us. So thank you guys. Thank you for continuing to be extravagant givers, generous prayers, people that are willing to come alongside um, missionaries whom you probably don't know super well to reach people that you may never ever know at all, but for the building of the kingdom. And it's a privilege to be here with you guys this morning. Thanks for letting us hang out and um, enjoy the service. Awesome. I want them all to stay up here as we pray for them. You know, it's really, really cool about the time in which we're living is, is Eric's hairstyle is right in style. And Justin's hairstyle is right in style. I mean, isn't that cool? That, you know, both of them can be in style. But anyway. Um, I love this ministry, and uh, I love have, having gotten acquainted with Pastor Jonathan. And, um, you know, American universities and colleges are not known as bastions of Christianity. Has anybody realized that? You know, uh, the vast majority of them 
Uh, have you ever thought about this? Why why is Alabama's nickname the Crimson Tide? That's the blood of Jesus. It was named after the blood of Jesus. But there's not much of that on Alabama's campus these days, other than maybe a Chi Alpha ministry and a couple of other ministries. The vast majority of the universities in the United States were originally founded to prepare pastors and missionaries. But as a nation, we've drifted, and the universities have drifted with it, and so they are a mission field. We've said it before. We're all living on the mission field. Jesus said the field is the world. So the only way, the only way you leave being a missionary on the mission field yourself is get in one of Elon Musk's ships and get off the planet. Because if you're on the planet, you're on the mission field. And the university is a tremendous opportunity. And again, thank you for your faithfulness and for your generosity. Father, I thank you so much for this ministry. Lord, it is so needed. And God, I know that even right now today, there are those that are being discipled. There are those that are being trained. There are those who are being influenced. And there are those who are influencers. I know that right now, Lord, because of the influence of this ministry right here and these young people standing before us, Pastor Jonathan's ministry and others, I know that there are young people at the campus of Austin P. right now who are wrestling with a decision. I know there are some who have been on some kind of party or binge a Friday night or Saturday night, but they've had contact with somebody who knows you, and they are wrestling with where their life is, and they're wrestling with what they're seeking for, and yet it is leaving them empty. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to use this ministry to speak into the lives of these young people, these influencers of this generation and the next generation. And, Lord, I pray that more and more of them would have their hearts softened by the Holy Spirit, that they would realize that you love them, that you're not out to get them, Lord, that you do want to bring them home. And so use this ministry in greater ways than it ever has before. Thank you, Lord, for Pastor Jonathan's 11 years of faithfulness. Thank you for the faithful giving of this church family. Help us to continue in that faithfulness and let us continue to see great things done for the sake of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise the Lord. God bless you guys. God bless you guys. Praise the Lord. In a couple of weeks, uh, I'm going to be preaching again a couple of messages, November 6th and November 13th, on, on the biblical principles of generosity. And what a great opportunity we have to be faithful to be generous, and uh, then on the 13th, November 13th, as I've learned, Lord willing, I don't know what's going to happen the rest of the day, much less tomorrow, but the plan is on November 13th, after sharing a little bit about um, generosity, we are, we are going to take up, like we did last year, if you'll remember, we're going to take up an extravagant offering on November 13th. We want you to be praying about what to give. We will be talking about it more in the coming weeks. But not only what you give in an extra offering above and beyond what you normally give, we are going to take an entire week's worth of offerings and we're going to give it all away. We're going to give 100% of those offerings away. And uh, we're going to trust God for that. God's going to meet our needs. And uh, we're going to give half of it this year to the Carl Perkins Center. Last year we gave 100% to the Carl Perkins Center. This year we're going to give half of it to Carl Perkins Center and half of it to Convoy of Hope. Um, so we want to partner with those tremendous ministries. And we're also on the 13th. We'll be taking up your commitments for missions for 2023. Can you believe we're on the verge of 2023? But be praying about what the Lord would have you give over and above your regular tithes and giving to the missions outreaches of our church, such as Chi Alpha. You've just heard a testimony here today. And so on the 13th, we'll be taking up those offerings as well as those commitments for missions for the coming year. Let's look to the Word of God today. Uh, I have one more message in this series, Getting Back to the Tree of Life. 
And then again, Lord willing, next Sunday, my wife will speak. Yes, 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 yes. She, uh, she doesn't feel that's her calling necessarily, but from time to time she says, I think I have something to say. And she has a story. And, um, and it's not an easy story to share, some of it. And so she's going to be sharing part of her story, Lord willing, next Sunday to conclude this series on getting back to the tree of life, and, um, you know, I, I, I plan my messages, I pray and ask the Lord for guidance and for direction, and I plan my messages ahead of time, and so originally I was going to share this message last week, and then as a lot of you know, my wife and I got COVID, my parents got COVID, my mom fell and broke her hip, went into the hospital, all of that, so every message that I was scheduled to preach, Pastor Chris jumped in when he needed to jump in, and then all of my planning got delayed a week. And I didn't, uh, I didn't know until just a few days ago that these young people from Austin Peak High Alpha would be with us today. And as I was um, going over this message again in preparation for today, I believe with all my heart that God knows. God delayed this message from last week to this week knowing that you guys were going to be here. I believe there's a word in here for you guys, but there's a word for all of us. Because some of you might not have been here last week. So God's got a word for all of us today through this message. Father, we just pause right now to say thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And thank you for your word. And right now we open our hearts, we open our minds to your word. Speak, Lord. Speak, Lord. We want to hear what you have to say to us today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. The Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman. Because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. Those are the key words for this message today. They felt no shame. If you have an issue with your health, if you have a disease or you have an injury, and if you treat the symptoms, but you do not treat the actual disease or the injury, then you are not going to get better. You might feel better, but you're not going to get better. You see, if we do that, we are just trying to feel better, but, but the pain and the sickness prevails and continues to return and return and return and return. The same is true with mental emotional, and spiritual issues that we face. We need to get underneath the symptoms that cause us problems and get to the heart of the problem. What are, what are the roots 
that we can rip out so that the fruits of our sinful nature, such as anger and abuse and lust, will not continue to come in and destroy our lives. What is going on inside of us that causes these issues to be never-ending battles in our lives? So we've been asking for the last several weeks, We've been thinking about the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we've been asking the question, which tree are you living in and how do we get back to the tree of life? So we've talked about how we must eat from the tree of life. We've talked about how the tree that we live in affects our church. We said the snake story gives us a choice. We said you are what you eat. We talked about how the fruit of the tree of life is innocence and the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and Knowledge of good and evil is victimization. Last week we talked about how do we respond from the tree of life. In particular, how do we respond to sin issues in the church from the tree of life. So today, the last sentence of our text is the key verse for us. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. You see, God created us to walk in innocence and honor. Our lives are supposed to be marked by innocence and honor. As human beings, we stand higher than anything else in the creation. We alone have been made in the image of God. God's design for us is to be marked by innocence and honor. And yet we know what happened in Genesis chapter 3. We've been talking about the last few weeks. Genesis chapter 3, the world broke. Everything broke. This is why we live in a broken world. So innocence and honor dissolved. When man disobeyed, sin came in, the man and the woman rebelled against God by disobeying his clear instructions, and here was the result, Genesis chapter 3, verses 7 through 9. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame. Just a few verses earlier, just a few moments earlier, they felt no shame. As soon as they disobeyed God, they felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid. In shame, they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Where are you? So innocence gave way to guilt. And honor gave way to shame. So the normal human experience is not walking in innocence and honor what God desires for us. Now our lives are marked by guilt and shame. Guilt and shame are not the same. I want to talk about the differences between them. They're both falling short of what God has for us. But listen, guilt is falling short of a clear moral code. Guilt is falling short of a clear moral code. Shame is different. Shame has more to do with how we see ourselves. And how we fall short in how we see ourselves. So guilt and shame are different, but they often interact in interesting ways. Let me talk about how guilt and shame interact. First, the most healthy way, the most healthy way that guilt and shame interact is when they work together. You can follow along in your handout with these notes. The most healthy way guilt and shame interact is when they work together. Now, here's how that works. Let me give you an example. I might tell a lie. And as soon as I tell that lie, I feel guilty because I know that lying is wrong, but I also feel shame because I think I'm better than that. 
I think I'm stronger than that. So I feel guilt and I feel shame. I feel guilt because of what I've done, but I feel shame because I thought I was better. Here's how it's healthy. When those two work together, they reveal what is wrong in my heart. You see, psychologists talk about unhealthy guilt and healthy guilt. The Bible talks about that too. It just uses different words. Con condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is unhealthy guilt. Romans chapter 8 says there's therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation is when we feel guilty for something that we have done that we've already been forgiven of. We've asked God for forgiveness, we've repented, we've walked away, we're, we're free of that thing, and yet we still feel guilty. We either condemn ourselves or the enemy makes us feel guilty. So that's condemnation, that's unhealthy guilt. Conviction, though, is healthy guilt. It's when the Holy Spirit is convicting us and causing us to feel guilty for things that we need to still repent of. Now here's another way guilt and shame interact. Number two, guilt and shame can function independently from one another. Guilt and shame can function independently from one another. Here's how this works. I can know that I've done something morally wrong and not feel any shame about it at all. I can know I've done something morally wrong and not feel any shame about it at all. Now, you know that's bad. We can do things that we know are wrong, and yet we feel no shame about it whatsoever. The Bible addresses this in Romans chapter 1, verses 28 through 32. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, wow. and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless, and have no mercy. And they know they know that God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. And worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. Now that's quite a list there. That's a long, long, long list. And then he says they invent even new ways. This is what happens when we go against God's plan and we don't care. When we go against God's plan and we don't care, this is the result. So more than doing wrong and not feeling any shame about it, we encourage others to do wrong as well, and we applaud them as they enter into the wrong with us so we're not out there by ourselves. It can also work this way. We can, we can feel shame when we don't do any wrong at all. So not only can we do wrong and feel no shame for it, sometimes we feel shame when we haven't even done any wrong at all. Again, the difference between condemnation and conviction, they are opposites. Feeling guilty when we've already been forgiven versus feeling guilty for those things that we yet need to repent of. So let me give you a third way that guilt and shame interact. Guilt and shame can work against one another. So he said they can work, they can work together and it can be healthy. But they can function independently from one another. But guilt and shame can also work against one another. Here's how this works. We can feel shame for doing the right thing. 
And we can have a sense of glory for doing the wrong thing. We can feel shame for doing the right thing and a sense of glory for doing the wrong thing. So sometimes we can feel shame for doing something right. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the good news about Jesus Christ. It is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes the Jew first and also the Gentile. There should be no shame in sharing the good news about Jesus. Right? Paul, if Paul says, I'm not ashamed, he's saying some people get ashamed. Some people are ashamed to share the good news. Some people are ashamed to identify with Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. This is why I'm suffering here in prison, but I am not ashamed for it. I'm in jail for Jesus, and I'm not ashamed of it. I know the one in whom I trust, and I'm sure that he's able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. So why is it that we sometimes feel shame for our connection with Jesus? Why is it that we don't always want our connection with Jesus to be the first thing that people find out about us. Why are we ashamed to bring up that identification? There is nothing more morally right than loving and serving and having our life shaped by the creator God of the universe. Amen. Let me say that again. There is nothing more morally right than loving and serving and having our life shaped by the creator God of the universe. So why does this happen? Why are we sometimes embarrassed to be a follower of Jesus. If you're going to believe what the Bible says, but your self-ideal has been built around the heroes of the world, then you have set yourself up for guilt and shame. In other words, if you let sports heroes and music stars and politicians and actors be your guide, you are going to get in trouble and you're going to stay in trouble. If you have friends and family or co-workers that you need to please in order to feel good about yourself, you are setting yourself up for guilt and shame. <clears throat> so you show up at church and you feel shame because maybe you're not living right. And then you're at work or out with your friends and your family who are not followers of Jesus and you feel shame for your connection to Jesus and the church. So you're in shame everywhere you go. You're miserable all the time. You're trying to live right, and you'd really like to be liked, and you'd like to live liked, and you'd like to be accepted by people who aren't following Jesus. And then guilt and shame will turn into other things. If our lives are marked by guilt and shame, then anger will come, and abuse will come, and lust will come. When we, walk in, when we walk in guilt and shame, a byproduct of that is often anger. We know we're falling short of God's commands. We know we're going after the wrong ideal. So that brings about anger in our lives. First, we're angry at ourselves. We're angry at ourselves. A form of self-hate begins to come into our life. I've experienced this myself because I have not lived up to my own high standards. I have not lived up to my own high standards, so I feel like a failure and I beat myself up in my mind. And then when self-hate exists, you'll first abuse yourself. And that can be physical. It can be manifested in cutting, which is so common among younger people today. Hurting, medicating, self-medicating with all forms. It can also be mental, self-condemnation. 
self-loathing, beating yourself up in your mind, telling yourself you're a failure, telling yourself you're no good. And so the anger increases because you can't live up to your own ideal. You give yourselves over to shame. We feel no honor. We feel that there's nothing good in us. So, so then we begin to allow others to abuse us. We begin to allow others to use us and others to take advantage of us. We stop taking care of ourselves and we allow this because we don't feel valuable. It starts with guilt and shame. It moves to us being angry at ourselves. And then it moves to us abusing ourselves or allowing ourselves to be abused by others. And then there are times that that self-hate begins to roll out onto others. And this is when we begin to abuse other people. And it doesn't always have to be physical. We just become control freaks. We verbally abuse others. And then we feel bad about ourselves, so we have to cut other people down to our level, and that's why we call them stupid jerks and other things. Folks, walking in biblical love is not an easy thing. Walking in biblical love is a tough thing. We, we let other people into our lives, right? We share our struggles. We share our hurts. We become vulnerable. And then if that person fails... In our trust, they can go out and share what we have shared, and that that hurts. But that's a risk we have to take. For a person walking in guilt and shame, everything is about them. They're completely self-centered. It's about me. It's about my needs. And sexual abuse even becomes a result of this. People hate themselves. Everything is about them. Everything is about their needs. They don't care about others. So they're going to take from others what they think they need, even though they don't deserve it. And they're going to force their way upon others. And then they hate themselves all the more for that additional failure. And the cycle just keeps building and building and building and building and building. So anger and abuse and lust feed together in this cycle of self-destruction. When you hate yourself and you don't feel good enough, it doesn't matter how much you eat. It doesn't matter what you eat. It doesn't matter what you drink. It doesn't matter how much you drink. You might as well punish yourself because you're not worthy. You're going to stay in abusive relationships and you will walk into situations where you will be hurt and betrayed. And this causes you to feel even more guilt and even more shame, which causes more abuse. And you hate what you do to yourself and you hate what you do to others. And the shame increases and the self-punishment increases. You know, have you ever wondered how can... How can people who have been abused become abusers? How many of you know people who have grown up and they were either abused as a child physically or sexually or whatever way, and, and, or, or they, they grew up children of alcoholics and they're like, I'll never do that, I'll never do that, I'll never do that, I'll never do that, and they grow up and that's exactly what they become. They become what destroyed them. They become what they hate. They become what they said they would never do. I'll tell you how that happens. They have been made to feel worthless. When they were abused, they were made to feel worthless. They were made to feel like a worthless plaything. They were made to feel less than human. So in their relationships, they have to bring everybody else down to the level of their what they feel and see themselves as. And lust is a part of this because lustful intent is the dehumanization of another person. Lust is treating another person made in the image of God as if they have no soul. 
We do this just for our own physical pleasure, our own self-gratification. There's no concern for the other person's soul or emotions. This is part of the destruction of pornography, and it's a problem with women as well as men. How many people have said, I'm just looking at pictures. Nobody's hurt by this. Nobody's being hurt by this. That's a lie. When we look at others simply for our own self-gratification, we are not concerned about them. We're not concerned about their lives. We're not concerned about their emotions. But the person that you are looking at is somebody else's daughter. Somebody else's son, somebody else's wife, somebody else's husband. They're a person made in the image of God that he loves, that he died for. And when we treat them in that manner, that is wicked and that is abusive. And yes, you are hurt by it and everybody who's a part of that industry is hurt by it. Rampant promiscuity is birthed by guilt and shame that's led to anger, which causes people to punish themselves by giving themselves cheaply to people again and again and again. Let me tell you something. You are not cheap. You are not cheap. You are so valuable to God, and you are so loved by him that Jesus Christ died on the cross in your place. Jesus says, you are valuable to me. Stop this madness. You're valuable. So how does what Jesus has done for us invade this storm of guilt and shame and anger and lust? Can't he stop the storm? Didn't Jesus stop the storm on the Sea of Galilee? When they were in the boat at night and the storm was raging, the disciples thought they were going to sink. Jesus just got up and said, peace be still. Mm -hmm. And the storm ceased. Jesus can stop the storm in your life. Can't he get us safely to shore as well? Remember this. I want to talk about some, some biblical terms. One, justification. Justification means God declares us righteous. Not because we are righteous, not because we do the right things. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He just says you're righteous when we know we're not. That's the tree of life. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. You were dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and he took it away by nailing it to the cross. All of them. He didn't die for some of your sins on the cross. But, but, but you say that this sin, I know he died for this and he died for this and he died for this, but I, I don't know that Jesus' death really covers this in my life. Yes, it does. He died for all of your sins. His death covers all of your sins. If you, if, if you believe that, that's what changes our lives. And if you do believe that, then why are you feeling shame for sin that has been forgiven and forgotten? Amen. You no longer need to feel shame for what he has already paid for and you have already received the forgiveness for. So that takes care of guilt. What about shame? Nothing drives shame away from the heart more than being fully known yet still delighted in. Nothing drives shame away from the heart more than being fully known, yet still delighted in. We need to be open with one another. We need to confess our faults to one another so that we may be healed. If we keep our sins and our struggles to ourselves, they thrive in the darkness. Get in a small group. It's what our small groups are about. Get in relationships. What is shared there stays there. Be with people you trust. This should begin with your own spouse if you are married. Don't hide things from one another. It may hurt, but sometimes it has to hurt in order to heal. Are you willing to be hurt for the sake of your spouse's healing? 
Are you willing to hear about their struggles or would you rather they continue in their pain and you in your ignorance? Again, nothing drives, drives shame away from the heart more than being fully known yet still delighted in. My wife knows my faults. She knows my faults. And yet she still loves me. Stays with me. Puts up with me. These are the kind of relationships we need to have in the body of Christ, and it will drive shame away just like the cross drives away guilt. We have to share our temptations with one another. We have to hold one another accountable and be willing to be held accountable if we want to get past guilt and shame. And you, you, you may as well share it because you're not going to get away with it anyway. Right? God knows everything, and secrets weigh heavy on us. Remember several years ago, there was this commercial for some medication for COPD. You know, the, the lung disease. And they had this guy laying on the ground, and a great big old elephant was sitting on his chest. You know, it's like, oh, this is what COPD can feel like, so buy our medicine. Can I tell you something? Keeping our sins and our struggles to ourselves is even heavier than that. Keeping our sins and our struggles to ourselves is even heavier than that. You, you, know, you know when you give in to that sin. Knowing you have betrayed those you love. It's not a good feeling. So how are you going to get past it? You're going to get past it by being open and honest with brothers and sisters in Christ. Luke chapter 15 tells us the story of the prodigal. He was full of guilt and shame. He had taken his part of the inheritance. In other words, when he told his dad, I want the inheritance now, he says, Dad, I wish you were dead. That's what he was saying. Wish you were dead. Give me my money now. Took his share of the inheritance, went out, got all kinds of friends, had all kinds of parties, spent it all, wasted it all, lost it all, ended up working in a pig pen, eating with the pigs. <coughs> Guilt for what he had done. Shame for what he had done. And he said, I'm going to go home simply to be a servant. Luke chapter 15, verse 20, So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. Why is it that we think God is ready to pound us when in reality he's ready to receive us? Amen. Father ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead, and now he's returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. That drives out shame. I know where you've been. I know what you've done. But you belong here. You are my child. Let's party together. Amen. The prodigal son story is not about the son. It's not about either one of the sons. It's not about either one of the boys. The one who wasted his father's inheritance or the one who thought he was better because he stayed home. He thought he was more deserving of his father's love because he was the good boy. He was the good servant. He stayed and worked in the family business. Dad asked him to come in. Well, he said, come on in the house. Come on, son. Come on in and celebrate. Your brother's home. Dad loves them both. He loves us all. So, so how does the wayward son feel at the party? You think he deserves the party? 
He knows he doesn't deserve the party. He knows he doesn't deserve the honor. But Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 says, So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy. Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Can I tell you something? Jesus is not ashamed of you. Jesus is not ashamed of you no matter what you've done. God is not ashamed of you. When we are fully known, we know God knows everything about us, yet he still loves us, it drives that shame out of our lives. And I don't know that love can be hard to accept when we, we know what we've done. There are so, how many people, oh, if I went to church, the roof would fall in. You know what's behind that statement? I'm too bad. I'm too dirty. I'm too guilty. There's too much shame. I can't come in. I won't be received. I know this love is hard to accept. We know what we've done. We know what we're like. I can include myself in this, but I know he still loves me. I know he still celebrates me. I know he still wants to throw a party for me. That can feel awkward, but God's love is extravagant. Yes. Receiving the truth of this love, as hard as it is to believe, will drive the shame out of our lives. So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to help us believe this. So justification, God simply saying... I'm making you righteous. That takes care of the guilt. Adoption takes care of the shame. We've been adopted into his family. Sanctification then is the destruction of false self-ideals and a replacement of what is true and right and good. So what have you set up as great in your life? Other people? There are other people you put on your pedestal, like your parent, maybe, or a successful business person, maybe, or a great athlete, or a movie star, or a politician, or a friend. Let me give you a warning. We can, we can have good friends, but they're not perfect, and they don't deserve to be idolized. Or if you're putting your pastor up there, God help you. We're human too. And we fail as well. Or maybe it's your own actions. Your own goodness. Your own self-worth. And then you don't live up to that ideal yourself. Let me tell you. Tear all of those down. Tear every single last one of them down. Our ideal. Our picture. Our model is Jesus Christ. That's the only model that will never let us down. We want to be like him alone. We want to be the servant that he was. We want to consider others better than ourselves. Jesus treated others that way even though he was and is God. He laid down his life for others as we should. That's our example. We all fall short of that, yet God's grace and knowing he delights in us keeps us from, from guilt and shame that leads to fear and anxiety so we won't turn to the traps of anger and abuse. We won't fall into the traps of lust, but we experience the joy of our Father who loves us in spite of ourselves. So when we fall short, it causes us to run to God and receive His love even more. And we receive His grace and we fall more and more and more and more in love with Him. Father, I pray that you would seal this word in our hearts today. Seal this word in our hearts today and deliver us and set us free. Would you stand together? Stand together with me, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah.
There is none like you. Just take a few moments to wait in the presence of the Lord. Just let the Holy Spirit begin to minister to you. Hallelujah. Ask the Lord, what do you want to say to me, Lord? What are you saying to me today, God? What are you saying to me today, God, through this message? Take a moment just ask, Lord, what do you want to do in my heart today? How do you want me to respond, Lord? Every time the word is given, it calls for a response. Every time God speaks to us, it calls for a response. Just take a moment right now. Open yourself up to the Lord. Lord, how do you want me to respond to this today? No one is here by accident today. I believe with all my heart we are all here in God's perfect timing for his purpose for our life. He wants to do something in your life today before you leave this place. He wants to do something in your life. He wants to set you free from something. Father, help us to respond to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I have a, a few specific areas that I'd like to mention today that I really feel like some of us need to respond in. I just want to mention these and then I don't want to call you forward and our prayer team will come and pray with you. And there's no need for shame here. No need for shame here. We're, we're all in this together. We walk together. We serve together. We fall together. And we help one another stand up together. So you are loved today. You are loved and you are welcomed even when you are known. Don't let shame and guilt keep you from being set free from shame and guilt. Let God, give God an opportunity to do his work in your life today. So, so maybe some of you first would say, Pastor, there is guilt and shame in my life. And I want to, I don't, I don't know the source of it. You may know, you may not know, but there's this, there's this guilt and this shame that prevails in your life. And you'd say, I want to open up to Jesus today and being fully known by him, I want to experience his joy. Or maybe, maybe secondly, some of you would say, you know, I put, I put up the wrong people or the wrong things as my ideal and they always fall short. And I need to replace those false ideals with Jesus. I need to get Jesus back in his proper place. Or maybe third, maybe third, your response today would be, I need to open myself up to others. I need to take the risks. I need healthy relationships so that I can get healthy. And so if any of that is you today, if that's your heart, I just want to invite you to stand and come forward towards this, this bar up here. Come forward. And then our prayer team will come with me. There's guilt and shame in my life. And I want to open up to Jesus today and in being fully known by him, experience his joy. If that's you, I'm going to wait. Give you an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit. Just come. Holy Spirit, let people know how you want to change them by your love and your power and your grace today. How you want to set us free, God, from guilt and shame. Bring us back to innocence and honor. Second, some of you would say, I put up the wrong people or things as my ideal, and I see them falling short. I need to replace those with Jesus. I need Jesus back in his proper place. You'd stand. You'd come forward. Come forward today. Let somebody just lay a hand on your shoulder. You don't have to tell your whole story. You can share whatever you want to share. You don't have to. But somebody just come and lay a hand on your shoulder and say, I need to get Jesus back in the right place. Maybe third, there'd be some who would say, I need to open myself up to others. 
I've been isolating myself. I've been cutting myself off. I've been trying to hide myself. But you need to open yourself up to others. And you need to take the risks. You need healthy relationships so that you can get healthy. Thank you, Lord. Prayer team, just come and begin to minister to these that have come today. Maybe you still need prayer. Maybe there's another area that I haven't specifically touched on, but you would like prayer today. Maybe it's prayer for a healing. Maybe it's just prayer for God to do a work in your life. Maybe you want to give your life to Jesus today and you've never really made a decision to follow Jesus or you want to come back. You want to come back. Come and one of our prayer team members will pray with you. Let's just worship the Lord. Let's open our hearts to Him. Let's let His Holy Spirit work in this place right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
is far beyond measure even at its pinnacle and our experience is far 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 less than what it is entirely Jesus thank you that your love for us is deep more than we could ever know father thank you Jesus that your truth drives away guilt and shame that those are not attributes of your kingdom that those are not things that you are building and producing in our lives thank you Jesus for freedom from those things God we thank you that uh, that your truth is bringing hope in its place. Your truth is bringing affirmation of our identity as sons and daughters. That have a father that is wild about them and that welcomes them back. Jesus, thank you for the joy that you restore and that you perpetuate. God, as we choose to walk in light of your truth. We love you, Jesus, we pray. God, that you would bless and lead us in these coming days, these coming moments, Lord. We pray that it all be for your glory. God, we thank you. God, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.